All right, I heard some kids there. Good. So we're wrapping up the Ready or Not series this week with another parable from Jesus. You may remember if you were here last week that we talked about what time it is in relationship to the end, right? Do you remember that? Uh, Where Jesus was was saying, you're not going to know the day or the hour, but you will see all of these signs going down. You'll see it'll be like the days of Noah during the end. And Jesus will separate people into certain groups. If you were here last week, we had group one and we had group two. Before that, we had the wheat and the weeds and and the sheep and the goats. And it's just like Jesus said, I came to bring division. I'm going to separate. So picking up right where we left off, we finished in Matthew 24, the whole chapter. We're going to go right to verse 1 of chapter 25 with another parable on the kingdom of God at the end times. And so today is going to be um, a lot like a Bible study. There's a whole lot of symbolism in what Jesus is teaching here. And we're going to talk about like a, a small chunk of scripture, talk about what it means. Read another chunk of scripture, talk about what it means, and it's going to be awesome. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right now, Matthew 25, verse 1, Jesus says, At that time, the end time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not have any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So let's stop right there. So just to state the obvious and get everyone on the same page here, what we see is a preparation for a wedding, a preparation. And what's happening is actually very common in the Jewish culture, where the groom is coming for the bride, and this group of ladies go out to meet him. They kind of roll out the red carpet, say, this way, they have their lights, it's dark, and, uh, and he's on his way. So this is something that would have been very familiar in the Jewish culture, especially the disciples, and probably something that they had taken part of uh, multiple times in their lives. So they're like, okay, yeah, Jesus is telling us about what we already know. This is how we prepare for weddings. But the question really is, is Jesus telling us about how to do a proper wedding, or is he saying that something bigger is coming? Jesus is using this parable to symbolize an even greater wedding that is coming in the future, and it's called... The wedding supper of the Lamb. It's an incredible event that will happen near the end of time when the church is united with Jesus forever. That's something we all look forward to happening. Amen? Come on, sooner than later. It could be yesterday. That would have been great. Soon, Lord. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. And so before we get into the details of this, let's just talk about a couple of the different characters in this parable and who they symbolize. It's important for you to know. First of all, there's a bridegroom. And the bridegroom is Jesus. That's who he symbolizes. Jesus is coming to meet up with his bride at an appointed time. That's what that symbolizes. Second, there's a bride. And the bride is the church, the big C church around the world. The church is waiting for Jesus to come and is, in a sense, now betrothed to Jesus. But in the meantime, we're waiting for the great day when we have made ourselves completely ready for his arrival. And that day will look just like this. Open your Bibles to Revelation 19, verse 6. This scripture I'm going to read to you is exactly where we sang the song this morning called We're Getting Ready. It says this in verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar, like the roar of rushing waters. Remember that? Like the peal of thunder shouting, 
Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. Do you see that? Do you remember that? If you were on time for church, you know what I was singing right now. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And then in parentheses, it kind of just explains what that means. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. They're wearing white. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. That is an incredible thing that's coming very soon. Hallelujah. I can't wait. I can't wait. And here's what you need to know about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Number one, you're invited. You are invited, but are you ready? Because if you have breath in your lungs and you got a beating heart, you're invited. That's all it takes to be invited. And you're going to want to be there. But are you ready? That's the question. Yes, right on. (laughs) Next, we need to talk about the 10 virgins and who they represent. Jesus focuses much of his attention on them in this parable. And so the the virgins represent individual Christians. The bride represents the whole church. But the, the virgins represent individual Christians who are part of the ceremony of this wedding preparation, preparing the way for the Lord. The reason that he calls them virgins is because it denotes their beauty and their purity. And their role in the ceremony is very similar to like a bridesmaid or maid of honor in our world today. Kind of just helping out, making sure all the preparations are ready. Their job is to go out and meet the bridegroom when he is on his way. And so they come to wait upon the bridegroom, like serve him when he appears. And in the meantime, they wait for him. See that? The same is true for Christians. We are to wait on Jesus now to serve him with our lives. And at the same time, we are waiting anxiously for his second coming. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. But notice that Jesus right away divides them into two groups again. Here we go again. Jesus came not to bring peace, but division. And let me just divide them up. He says, there's a wise group and there's a foolish group. The wise were ready for the bridegroom's return and and the foolish weren't, which brings us to the next part of the parable. And I I summarize this next part here, which we've talked about for the last two weeks. Ready or not, here I come. I'm coming. Matthew 25, verse 6. It says, at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come to meet him. Then all the virgins, they woke up, they trimmed their lamps, they got their lamps ready. The foolish ones said to the wise, oh, dang it. Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. What'd they say? No. No. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Like, go to the market, dude, real fast. A couple quick observations. Number one, there's an announcement that he's coming. A big cry went out at midnight. And what Jesus is saying here is that the same thing is happening right now. Announcements are being made. Jesus is coming soon, ready or not. The clock is ticking. Uh, Declarations are going out. Calls are being made. Pastors are preaching. Christians are telling their friends and their family, Jesus is coming, man, you need to know him. And so the question for us is, are we paying attention to the announcement? Are we listening? Or are we ignoring it? Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Are we paying attention? Because there's a call that's going out. 
Another observation. The foolish virgins weren't ready. On the one hand, it was, it was like good-ish that they, they took their lamps. They brought, they're like, wait, there's a wedding tonight. What time does that thing start? Seven o'clock? All right, it'll probably be over by like 8.30. I'm good. I'll bring my lamp, a little bit of oil. But they made a mistake in that they neglected to bring enough oil with them. They only had enough oil to make their lamps burn for the present time, kind of just to make a show of it. I'm here for the wedding, as if they intended to meet the bridegroom. But they didn't bring any extra if the bridegroom took longer than expected to show up. That's really important detail. What that looks like in today's culture here in America with with our Christianity and the church and all this today is like being Christian in name, but not in lifestyle. Being Christian in name, but not in lifestyle. For instance, like I I, I call myself a Christian, but I don't really read the Bible. I, I don't even have a Bible. I've heard what the Bible says, but I don't know. Or like coming to church, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe once a month, maybe every six weeks. Definitely Christmas and Easter, I'll be there for that. But not living every day for Jesus. Or not having regular prayer conversations with God. And, and, and a symptom of that might be that whenever it's time for a prayer, like a prayer is needed, like maybe somebody's hurting or there's an emergency, it's like, can somebody pray for me? And you're like, oh, I get uncomfortable praying out loud. I, I'm sorry, I, I can't. Like that, that might be a symptom of, of being Christian in name but not in lifestyle or not knowing the voice of God when he speaks. And these are all just simple, practical signs in our life that, we might, that might indicate that we don't have enough oil. We're simply calling ourselves Christians but not really following Christ and everything that he says and every day. So that's what Jesus is pointing out is the foolish virgins. This group he calls foolish. The wise virgins were ready. They had enough oil for their lamp. And we're going to see as we finish the parable that good things happen to the wise ones. And so let's just real quickly talk about the other symbolic elements in this, in this parable. They're important. I want to explain what the lamp represents and the oil represents. Is everybody doing okay? Kids in the back, can I say, hear an amen? amen. <laughs> I heard a mom help out right on. But thank you. Let's see what the lamp represents. The lamp is the heart of a person. Everyone say a heart. heart. The lamp is the heart of a person. Guess what? Jesus says, whatever you put into your heart will come out of your mouth. Whatever goes in is going to come out. In other words, the actions, the behavior, the language that a person uses are an indication of the condition of their heart. And so in this parable... The level of oil inside the lamp is an indication of their relationship with Jesus. It may be full or it may be empty. It may be deep or it could be shallow, surface level. Because whatever you put in is going to come out. That's why I always kind of, I always just feel like a little challenge come up in my heart when when people are like, God knows my heart. No, you can't judge my heart. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, technically, I don't know everything is good. But like, we all see how you're acting, dude, right? Whatever goes in is going to come out. That's what the lamp represents, the heart. What does the oil represent? Oil, throughout the scriptures, typically represents the Holy Spirit. And that's true here. But more specifically in this parable, it represents the grace of God. Can we say that together? Here we go. The grace of God. That's what the oil represents. That we can only gain through relationship with God. 
That's the only way you can receive his grace is by being in relationship with him. And so the wise virgins knew that there's a difference between really knowing somebody and having an acquaintance. Really knowing somebody, you're with them all the time, every day. You have a friend. You know what they're going to say before they say it. You know how they're going to react before something happens. And then there's the acquaintance. You're like, oh, yeah, we, we work in the same company, right? Didn't I see you at the Christmas party? Uh, sitting up, yeah, you had steak that night. That's right. I don't, what's your name? Like, that's an acquaintance. There's a difference. Now, the grace of God comes freely through Jesus. You need to hear that. The grace of God comes freely through Jesus. If you ask, you will get it. But it is maintained through a daily relationship with him. You get it for free, but you have to maintain it. And so they took extra oil with them just in case they had to wait a little longer for the bridegroom to arrive and maybe their oil could burn out so they were ready. And so the lesson here is that it is good for us to prepare for the worst, to lay in for a long siege instead of a, like a day-by-day commitment with God, you know, just based on the changing circumstances of life. You know, one day you wake up, the sun's shining, everything's going good, food was good. This is a great day. I'm happy today. God is good. He loves me. Thank you, Jesus. You're just so awesome. Next day, bad weather, food tastes crappy. It's not a good day. Everything's just going bad at work. The kids are terrible, all that. Man, I guess God doesn't love me then, right? I just feel burned out. Are you getting tired of waiting? Do you need a fresh supply of grace from God? I know I, need, I do every day. Give me, fill me up, God. And the key here is that we need to watch out that our relationship with Jesus does not suffer because we're getting tired of waiting. I understand being tired. It's not wrong to be tired like the, the call came out at midnight, like really late. We're getting tired. But we need to make sure that our, our relationship with Jesus doesn't suffer as a result of being tired. We need to stay disciplined and spending time with him. And then when you have that relationship, he will continue to supply our hearts with the grace that is sufficient for our needs. You see how that works? He'll make sure that our lamps are full of oil. And this is the natural outflow of a relationship with God. Really, really simple stuff. But oftentimes, so many people walk around this life burned out, empty, just like at the end. And so if you're new to church and maybe you're new to Jesus and you're not really sure how you have a relationship with God, I want to teach you. And this is actually good for a lot of us, too, who have been around, been in relationship with God for a long time. It's just a good reminder if you're feeling a little burned, a little empty. How do I have a relationship with Jesus? Well, Jesus said, abide in me, and I will abide in you. What does abide mean? Live. That's right. Live in me, and I'll live in you. How many know that's not an acquaintance? Right? That's, if you're living with somebody, you know them really well. You know what they're going to say before they say it. Live in me and I'll live in you. Okay, now how do you live in Jesus? I'm going to give you just real basic, basic stuff. Number one, you need to read your Bible. You need to know what that thing says for you. Not what your friends told you that it said. Not what you heard on TikTok. You need to read your Bible. You need to spend time together with Jesus, just hanging out with no agenda. Like, let's just hang. There's nobody else distracting me. 
Let's just hang. You got anything you want to talk about? Let's hang. You need to speak to him. You can share your heart in prayer with him. You need to listen to him. He's probably going to have some things to say too. And when Jesus tells us to do something, this is like a really basic thing with like a father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship, we should obey. He said, go do this. Okay. That, that really helps the relationship. And then once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, how many know he's good? Amen? The proper response in that relationship is to worship him, just like you've done this morning. Hallelujah. Give him glory. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. By his stripes, I'm healed. Hallelujah. Now, those are just like really, really basic ground level things that we all need to be doing. And there's more that we could do beyond. There's more to a relationship with God than that. But if you're not doing those things, your lamp's going to get empty. It's going to burn out. These are some basic things to keep that oil filled. Which brings us to the last part of our parable here where Jesus is essentially asking the question, are you in or are you out? All right. <laughs> I love it. Right on, girl. <laughs> this is the best. I love it. Most people, when I ask those hard questions, are like, mm. kids are awesome. Matthew 25, verse 10. Remember, they had just realized the bridegroom's coming, and they're going to burn out, and they're like, can we borrow some oil? And they said, no. Go get your own. And so it says in verse 10, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, guess what? The bridegroom arrived. Ah. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the door was what? Shut. Later, the, all, the others also came knocking on the door. You can just see him. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. We're here. We met. We're late, but sorry. We're here. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. So Jesus summarizes yet again saying, therefore, keep watch. Because you don't know the day or the hour. Keep watch. A couple quick observations here again. The foolish virgins put their confidence in themselves. They put their confidence in themselves. Instead of having confidence in the grace of God, which is sufficient for us. They put their confidence in doing like the bare minimum. I'll just put enough in to make it through about 8.30. Okay, so what this looks like in our context today is that it's kind of like this idea, like, you know, I'll be able to convince God I'm, I'm a good person. He'll let me in, right? And God knows my heart. Like, man, I really caution you to be, when you say, God knows my heart. It's like, yeah, God knows your heart, dude. Do you know your heart? Careful, because whatever comes in is coming out. Be careful with that. Or, or I'll, I'll earn it, right? I'll just, I'll prove it to God. I'm a good person. I got this. I'm gonna, he'll let me in and he'll understand. I'm fine. I'll be fine. He's a loving God. I'll be fine. And so is your confidence in the Lord and what he's done for you or is your confidence in yourself? Now, as the foolish virgins realize the error of their way, I don't have enough to make it to midnight. What'd they do? Hey, can you help me? Can you give me some? Can you put in a good word for me? Can you feel like, she's with me? Like going to the bouncer at the club. Where's your pass? All right, oh, she's with me. All right, no. So what we learn here is that no one can vouch for you. 
No one can vouch for me because my relationship with God is my responsibility. I'll say that again. My relationship with God is what? My responsibility. Nobody else's. When the foolish virgins asked if, if they could borrow some oil, the answer was what? No. no. Now, we may think, okay, well, that was kind of selfish, right? Like, what's your problem? Who do you think you are? Like, can't you just, like, share a little bit, please? Isn't that kind of like an unloving thing to do? But the reality is that they had no choice. Here's why. Remember that their oil symbolized the grace that God had for their individual life. Nobody else's. It came from their relationship with God. Nobody else's. And it covered their individual sins. Nobody else's. I got my sins, you got my sins. They're probably a little different. We need individual grace for those individual sins. There was only enough for them and not a drop to spare. But I want to tell you good news this morning because you need to hear that God's grace is absolutely available and was absolutely available to the other five virgins in abundance. Like, you ask, you receive. But unfortunately, they squandered the opportunity to take advantage of it. They were lazy. They were unprepared. And guess what? Time ran out. Jesus is like, ready or not, I'm coming. Are you ready? Clock's ticking. Clock's ticking. We're getting closer to midnight. Are you ready? Time ran out. Again, in our world, this oftentimes looks like the idea that, you know, I'll get to heaven um, because my parents were Christians. My parents made me go to church when I was a kid. And I, I don't know, I just always called myself a Christian. I don't really do that anymore, but I'm, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. I'll get to heaven. Or my grandma really loved Jesus, and she just was always praying for me. Every time I came over to her house, she's like, baby, come here, I need to lay a hand on Jesus. I just love this young man, and she just loved Jesus. So I'm good, right? Grandma always prayed for me. I'm good. But what did the wise virgins say? No. You don't get to borrow grandma's oil. You need your own. You don't get to borrow grandma's grace. Jesus gave grandma that grace for grandma. You have your own individual sins. You need your own grace. It's abundant. It's available. It's free. Call on the name of the Lord. He'll answer. Now, you may be thinking, where are you getting this? Are you making this up? You got a lot out of 13 verses there. Let me just explain. Uh, Romans chapter 14, Paul says this in verse 10. He says, you then... Why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? Like, hey, how come they get to get in and I'm on the outside? What? Their sin is way worse than mine and they get to go in? Are you for real? He's like, hey, why do you do that? Why are you judging? He says, for we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. And here's what you need to pay attention to right here, verse 12. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You see that? You can't rely on the fact that grandma was a Christian or mom and dad made you go to church when you were a kid. 
It is your responsibility, your relationship with God. It's up to you. And so here's good news, that there's still time. There's still time for this. We've been talking all, all last couple weeks, clock's ticking, time's running out, but hey, we all woke up and showed up to church today. We have another day. There's still time. And it's important to note that the wise ones, the wise virgins still offered hope when they said, go buy something, at the, go get it at the market. Like that was actually a nice thing to do because they couldn't share any of their own, but they still said, go get it. You need, you, there's time, there's time. This was like an attempt at evangelism, right? Saying like, hey, there, there might still be time, so, so you need to say yes to Jesus right now. You need to go get your own grace. Go ask him, maybe, you, maybe they'll have, have time. And I'm here to tell you, church, today, there's still time. There's still time. There's a reason that you're here today. There's a reason that you came on Memorial Day weekend. You didn't sleep in. There's a reason that you, you wrangled your kids and brought them to church today when you totally could have said, eh, it's too much work. I got four. And my wife does it all by herself because I'm here at church. It's super hard to get all those kids here on your own and then stand here and be like, I'm having a moment with God when your kids are running. There's a reason you're here. There's still time. You need to say yes to Jesus now. I'm going to invite our band to come up to the, to the stage and get ready to play. And I'm going to share this one last thing. The last thing you need to know is that the door will close. So keep watch. Amen. Jesus says, keep watch over and over and over again. He says, stay awake. He says, awake, O sleeper. He who has eyes, let him see. He who has ears, let him hear. Don't fall asleep. Keep watch. The door will close. And the key for you to remember is that it has to be you who makes a decision to follow Jesus. But there's no buying when the market is closed. There's no getting into the wedding supper of the Lamb when the door is closed. Those who would be saved must have a grace of their own. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, that sounds fair, but look at this. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? What do you mean I can't come in? He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I don't even know you. Away from me, you evildoers. The door's shut. Again, you might be thinking, what? I thought Jesus, didn't he die on the cross so that I could come in? Yeah, but you got to know him. This isn't a Christmas and Easter type of thing. This is a daily, in, out, week in, week out, through the hard time, through the good times thing. Do you have enough oil to last till midnight? And if, if you don't, today you call on his name and say, Jesus, I need that. I need that right now. In fact, I just want to pray. Can we close our eyes? God, we are, we are just humbled by the fact that, that you would do something so powerful like dying on a cross for us and then promise us that you're going to return, that there's going to be an end to all the madness and all the sin and the evil in the world. Hallelujah. We give you glory. 
And God, I pray right now for every heart in this church that we would all turn our hearts to you, that our hearts would no longer be calloused and, and, and hardened, but you would turn our hearts of stone to hearts of flesh as we say yes to you. Can we say that together? Let's just all say yes. Come on, say it again. Say yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. We say yes to you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that your presence is here. We want to be found wise in that group that's considered a wise group. We don't want to be found foolish in the end. And so, God, we, we just submit our hearts again to you and say, take over. I want to follow you no matter the cost. In Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen?